Welcome everybody to this episode of Breaking Absolutes. I'm really excited today uh, to get to talk to Gus G. Um, I think a lot of you will be very familiar with Gus um, from a whole host of, of different projects and bands that he's participated in. We won't have time to touch on all of it, um, which says something about the sort of versatility uh, of his career, but we are definitely going to talk about a lot of it. Um, before we get rolling there, just a reminder, if you dig what we do, the kind of guests we get like Gus here today, uh, consider subscribing or following the channel. It helps us sort of maintain the momentum we need to, um, to do what this show does, which is to try and talk to artists that we think are at the forefront of moving the genre forward, whose work deserves a broader audience and, um, and our efforts to try and make sure that happens. Um, so let me say a little bit about Gus. Um, I'll see if I can embarrass him before I bring him on to talk to everybody. Uh, he's done an amazing number of solo albums. He's got some forthcoming work we're going to talk about. Um, he's got his own band that he founded and, and is the sort of catalyst for all the writing and um, really the figurehead there, which is Firewind. Uh, they've got 10 studio albums by my count, plus a live album. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, he's played in a number of really significant bands. And what I, one of the things I'll hope to talk to him about is the way that some of these bands have their a unique sound. Uh, and I think that it says something about Gus's playing that he can move with such facility between these different sounds in a very authentic way, um, where I think a lot of guitarists can emulate. And I, I, I personally draw a distinction between sort of an authentic representation of a genre of metal and a sort of emulation of it. And that, that sounds like an esoteric argument, but I think it's something that's audible. So we'll talk a little bit about Gus's versatility there. Um, we'll talk about his time um, with Ozzy, of course, um, and we'll spend a bunch of time on um, uh, some of his other, other creative endeavors. Uh, he's, he's also an entrepreneur. The man's got um, some of his own uh, uh, gear, a gear line that we want to be sure we talk about. Um, so with that as kind of a setup, let me bring Gus on, and we'll just get going on our conversation. Gus, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. So so grateful you could join us today. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Um, good to talk to you. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, um, uh, we were talking right before we came on, um, and this is kind of how I like to, to get rolling on this. You've been been busy during covid it's, it seems like despite all of the negatives you've you've turned it into a way to actually keep keep busy how's is it is that been your experience for during this time this pandemic um in the beginning yeah i guess everybody was like that they were all excited since all their tours got canceled all the musicians they were like ah oh, screw it we're making a new record so everybody did a new record and yeah, that was. That's kind of what I did as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've did as well. Uh, oh, you see a cat back there? Yeah, we saw your cat. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my cats. Yeah, they they come in here. But uh, yeah, so you know, I, I did a record last year. I mean, I recorded and you know composed and recorded and got everything ready, and now it's ready to be released. We've just put out a, a couple of singles so far. But I'll say this: that you know, during this pandemic, yeah, I've, I've kept pretty busy, but. You know, not every day is the same. It's like I've, like everybody else, like all people, I've have ups and downs. And there's, there's been a few weeks where I was like, well, I don't want to do anything anymore ever again. It's like, because you know, there's all this uncertainty about the future. Yeah. And um, 
so you know there's there's moments where you're like you're feeling low and then you're like you get motivated again and i'm trying to think like where did where did this where does this come from you know like i uh, but i guess it's something that just comes and goes and um but i've honestly i've, I've been trying to stay busy i've been trying to, to to stay creative as much as possible um yeah with, without you know without really having the the live shows in my life anymore <laughs> yeah it's it's um i hear this is very similar to what i hear from a lot of musicians there's um th there's some time to reconnect with things you don't have time for and time to get to projects um I, it's cool that you've done some recording because uh, the the album you reference, uh, I've listened to the the first initial tracks and I want to talk about those a little bit later. But they're really they're really good, and I have some I have some um, I want to get your your thoughts on on some of that what you've done there, which I think is really distinctive. Um, but let's go back. Let's kind of start at the beginning. You um, you we, we this is another thing we talked about just just prior to coming on, but you are from Thessaloniki, Greece. And yeah. I've been there. That's the yeah. craziest thing. I, I, I played a, I was with a band shortly, uh, fronting a band called Air Apparent, did a bunch of shows in Europe, and I'd never heard of it. And when I read that you're from there, uh, I was like, there's just no way. I can't be the same town. <laughs> but it is. It's a small world, man. It's a small world. It's, uh, well, there must be something in the water there for rock and metal guys. Uh, well, there's there's a you know there's lots of people here that love heavy metal um and it's you know it's got a loyal as as you probably remember when you were here it's it, fans are very loyal and you know they're really you know like the, the ones that really follow the bands there like they grew up with the bands they it's like a you know it's a yeah. kind of thing that follows them for life um and they're very passionate at the gigs and you know some of our most epic shows ever have been here in in our hometown and and all generally in our country in Greece yeah. and um yeah yeah i mean uh, the and all all people all other musicians that i've met that told me oh, i've been in Greece everybody always kind of say, says a similar things first of all how great the food is and secondly like <laughs> how passionate the fans are here it is true um there's something unique about Greek metal fandom. Uh, it's it's both um, broad, meaning more, but it's there's a there's a loyalty there. You know, that's it's in in the states. I would argue that um, music tastes are far more transient. It's you know people go with whatever's trendy. Um, it's not like that. I would say Europe generally is better, and Greece like uh, is one of the countries there where that's absolutely true. And so I, I'm it kind of makes sense, though, doesn't it? I mean, America is such a big country, like everything is happening there. Like the center of all entertainment is in America. You yeah. know, you have Hollywood, you have Vegas, like so much stuff is happening. And, and you know, people like I, I, I can see why people kind of like follow different things and, and new things are starting out of America and, you know, are being you know, built in America and all those things. And, and, uh, but there's still, you know, there's a lot I've noticed because I've toured America numerous times and there are lots of loyal metal fans oh, there as sure. well. Yeah. yeah it's, sure. it's a smaller, it's, it's a smaller kind of circle, so smaller kind of thing, but still, you know, that's, yeah. that's what you want. I mean, I, I think if you're into this kind of music, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a part of a lifestyle, I guess. So you kind of, you know, you live your life that way and you support the bands you love and whenever you have the chance to see them, 
you, you see the more you either that or you travel, or you I mean, travel. we meet fans that, that travel all over the world to see us well one of the things that i'm i guess maybe maybe i'm romanticizing it but one of the things i love about europe is there is such a robust um metal festival season all summer long like you can go to a festival every week um if you're willing to just do a little bit of travel around europe which is so easy to do with by train someday like i'm gonna spend my summer there and i'll be in greece and you know, be in Germany and all the places. You should do it. Uh, Vakken. I've never been to Vakken. I got. Oh man, you should go there. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, tell me what you play there. Or have you just been as a fan or both? I've, I've been there a few times. You know, the first time I played there was 2002. I was very young then. I, I was with the, with this band from Sweden. I used to play called uh, Dream Evil. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, right. So we, we had just done our first album and it was like, you know, it was it was picking up. It was it was uh, yeah, it was making some noise, you know, around the world. And we got invited to Vakken right away into a few other big festivals. And Vakken, mind you, was not as big. It was nothing like what you know right now. Like today, it's like a hundred thousand people go there. Back then, it was a smaller festival. It was like maybe twenty twenty five thousand. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time. Then I, I I went back there a couple of years later with a band called Mystic Prophecy. I was a I was a member of that band for for a while. Did a few records with them. And then I played. Then I, I the next time I went back was in 2011 where I headlined it playing with Ozzy. Yeah, um, dude. Which it was like beyond my wildest dreams, you know. Uh, yeah. And then we, I went back one more time a, few, a couple of years ago. We played with Firewind for the first time. And, and I was always wondering, like, why did Firewind ever play here? Like, why, why did it take us like 20 years to come here? But, but you know, we did it. Yeah, and it was great. You've had, um, you've had this, this happen before where, with Firewind, the way I read your, your backstory a little bit, where it was always something you wanted to do. Um, but then you ended up having these opportunities that created detours for you. Um, and I want to talk about that. Um, but, but before we even get there, like you're the way this all started for you, if I read this right, is you, um, you heard Peter Frampton. So Peter Frampton, he was the early guy that got you like passionate about guitar. Correct. Yeah. And then your dad bought you an acoustic first, actually, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a classical guitar, like a nylon string classical guitar, which um, I still have to this day, but I hated it, you know, because I wanted an electric guitar and an amp. Yeah, I wanted to play with distortion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that happened. And uh, obviously, you got the later down the road and began to play. Um, and you came uh, you came as a very young person. Um, I don't know, you're 18 or something. You came to the States to attend Berkeley. Um, and yeah. like other very famous guitarists, only stayed there a little while. Like another <laughs> another famous guitarist that I love is John Petrucci, and he was at Berkeley, and he was only there a little bit, and then he left, and he it just immediately began to actually pursue doing the music. Not you know, um, is that is that so? Your experience, you were there for just a short time. Yeah, just for a few weeks, really, um, and you know. Uh, I come from a working class family. We really couldn't afford to, that my parents couldn't, could, would have never been able to, to afford to put me in college for four years. We, yeah. we could only afford like the first year and, and I had a scholarship as well. So it was kind of like a little bit of a discount. Um, 
So I was like, okay, let's let's go there for a year and see what happens and see if I can pull it off. And I quickly realized that okay, this isn't for me. And um, but you know, back then, even back then, it was um, like you you, you mentioned Petrucci and you know guys like him and Steve I. They made that school famous amongst metalheads and yeah. rock guitar players. So you you would see a lot of kids from all over the world going there because those guys went there and just right. kind of hoping that maybe they could form a band there or at least that was that's what was in my head at the time like okay maybe i will meet some some other kids and we can form a band and i don't know i don't know what i was thinking i was 18 <laughs> well, that's actually that everything you said there's really smart um you know someone with the dedication to their craft to um want to spend time you know first place people at berkeley are usually pretty skilled players and um everything you said there makes sense um but you actually started to have some success uh you came out of there you uh, I, what i read is you recorded a, a demo but before and there was some some excitement for it but before you could really pursue it you, you began to get pulled into other bands um that actually had some success and you named a couple of them um i, I wanted to ask you about it you you go ahead you know, it was an interesting story. Like I, I had started like, well, my vision was always to name this band called Firewind and, you know, try to find the members and make records. And I would just send my demos to labels. And I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. Like the first three years was just like getting re rejection letters from labels. Uh, I've been rejected from pretty much every label, every metal label that's out there or that, that right? was out there at that time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which probably means my stuff wasn't good enough um, at that time. So, you know, I, but I was also open to, to collaborating with other people. And then I ended up in Sweden a few months later after leaving Berkeley. Um, and, and like, I, I, I was like, well, you know what, I'll start a bunch of projects or whoever wants to have me, whoever wants to collaborate with me, I'll, I'll just start writing with them because I needed to develop my, my songwriting skills as well. You know, not only my guitar playing skills. And so I started writing with other people. And the next project that I was involved was with, with this producer in Sweden, Frederick Nordstrom, who owned like a, a, a famous studio for heavy metal bands. Like, you know, he did production for bands like um, In Flames and Hammerfall and bands like that. And, you know, the Gothenburg scene was exploding at the time. That's like late 90s. So anyways, we, we started a band together and that was that was basically Dream Evil. And then I was writing with some other guys in Germany. You know, I was sending my demos back and forth to, to whoever, man, like magazines, labels, other musicians. And so I ended up writing with these guys in Germany and there was a new band coming out and it was going to be called Mystic Prophecy. So, so I kind of like was there at the start of all these projects. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, we went from demo stages to and discussions to getting record deals and all that stuff happened at, at the same time, the same year. Yeah. So 2002, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like launching three bands at the same time, you know? And, um, and that was the third band night rage. Fourth band night rage was the fourth band. So I was, I had firewind dream evil mystic prophecy and, and night rage, which was more like I was helping my friend, Mario's to kind of like get back on his feet and, and make his thing, make his own band. And, and, and we had like, and because of the connection with the studio in, in Sweden, because he was, he used to record there with his previous band. 
because of that connection, uh, Frederick gave us some studio time at nights and we recorded the first album. And, uh, and then we, you know, the, the band got picked up by Century Media Records again, like the, I think the following year. So it, there was like at some point, like four bands at the same time. Yeah. How did you manage and I that? Went, I mean, you know, in the, in the early days, it was like there was not any demands for shows just, you know, like right off the bat. So I knew I could keep making records for a little bit, but if touring obligations would uh, start becoming more, then I would have to make a choice eventually. Yeah. Um, so I did as much touring as I could with all of the bands. Um until, you know, at some point I, I, I had to make a decision. I think that was around 2005. Um, I got a call actually from Arch Enemy to go out and do OzFest. Yeah, I um, read that. Yeah. And that was like a big wake up call. I was like, okay, now I should probably, I, I, I would, and I loved Arch Enemy. I said, I want to join this bigger band and, and do this. I want to go to OzFest, you know, and and tour with Black Sabbath and, and do that. So I, I, I wanted to, to live that opportunity, but that also that made me realize, okay, you cannot be in 18 bands so right. <laughs> at the same time. Like you have to kind of like prioritize. So I was, you know, I was also very young. So I was, uh, you know, I started uh, tr trying to think a little bit uh, down the road. And um, actually Arch Enemy was a big school for me in the, in the sense that, you know, I saw how focused they were and how hardworking they were for their band. And, you know, that was my first experience for, you know, with being in a band that had a proper crew, big management, like everything, you know? Yeah. So that was like my, my first experience with that. And I was like, okay, this is like, they run a professional organization here. And that inspired me to try and bring that into my own band or try to reach some kind of level where things are more professional. And I kind of realized that, okay, that means that probably I, I have to kind of choose what I'm going to do here. I can't just keep going playing with four or five bands. It's impossible. Yeah. And so I made my choice to continue with Firewind at the end of 2005. Yeah. So the, um, gosh, there's so much I want to ask about that. Let me ask it um, first, as we, as we, as I was looking through the material, listening to the material and um, going over some of your past, with with some of these other bands they obviously they all had their own sound but beyond just having their own sound there seemed like there was a, a general uh genre approach that was unique um and you keep me honest on this but um to my ear and and what i kind of reviewed you had night rage which was kind of a melodic death metal band you had dream e dream evil which was uh more just of a, a straight heavy metal band and mystic prophecy which tended to be more of a power metal band. I know that categorizations are, are dangerous things, but in, in general, is that a fair way to characterize the music with those groups? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, the only reason I ask is because, um, and this, this evidence is itself for me in some of your um, solo work that we're going to talk about later, but you, you have this facility and maybe it came as a consequence of you, deciding to go, you know, build your songwriting chops, working with, lo you know, lots of projects. But um, the, the music that you're writing with these, um, these different groups sounds authentically of the genre. Um, and I, I, this is not me trying to throw shade on anybody, but there's, 
you know, there's a, for me, there's a difference between being able to sort of inhabit the mind space and the, the musical space of a genre and do that in, with, in an authentic way versus um, emulating it, which usually somehow just feels like, um, you know, a, a performance of it, if, if you can understand what I'm saying. And I, yeah. I, I feel like, um, one of the, like it's, my, it's my, one of my compliments to you is when I hear you play, um, it feels like a guy who has, like, has kind of built into his DNA an authentic way to deliver these different genres of metal. And by the way, you later start to combine them, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, I, I didn't put as much thought into it as you kind of described now. It's a, it's a little bit, More uh, it can be, it, it, yeah, yeah. It can be a little bit confusing if you start thinking about all these tags on your music, yeah. but I mean, let's just say, like you say, def- heavy metal, that type of heavy metal was definitely in my DNA growing up the stuff that i liked the stuff that i wanted to play was pretty obvious what i was going yeah. to do um you know developing a, a personal style i think that's something that happens over time you don't i mean if i look if i listen to recordings of myself back when i was 20 22 i can hear that i had you know parts of my of what later became my own style yeah um so there's something like you you if you know, artistically, if you have something to say, I think that kind of show shows in the beginning, like in, in the er, in the early days as well. But that's something that you have to kind of um, um, develop, you know, and that happens over time and over making writing more songs, making more records and you eventually get to a point. Um, so that makes sense. you know, all those all those bands, you know, they have they, they were a little bit different, but at the same time, they were within the same realm i don't know how how to explain that but you know it comes from traditional heavy metal hard rock melodic yeah like all those elements existed in all those bands but you know you have different players different voices different singers it's it is going to sound sound different you know they are going to separate themselves from yeah so it'd be fair to say that in those groups there was never any intention to land you know in a certain category that people could identify it was just to make the music you guys wanted to make um however that sort of came out but it was all going to be heavy metal i think with dream evil there was already a concept behind it you know it was a little bit more of a a comedy approach to it you know it was a band that we we wanted to have a little bit more of a um funny lyrics so to speak which back then i remember i was really against (laughs) <laughs> about it because you know when you're 22 you want to rule the world and yeah. you know be a metal god and you don't take no shit from nobody so you know when we were making those those songs about you know killing dragons and stuff it was kind of you know like the, the other guys that were older than me i was a young guy in the band so they they thought it was funny and i didn't find it funny <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know the people loved it uh, you know the music was was serious you know the music yeah. was serious i was always dead serious about my music um so yeah yeah i guess you know as you grow older another thing is also you you learn you know you learn how to lighten up you know you at least i at least i have you know i i I don't take myself so seriously not anymore at least you know (laughs) well you know the we're going to talk about your most recent single that i saw where you didn't it's not a typical performance and you it's actually comical right uh, the music's killer. Like you're clearly serious about putting out a killer song, 
but you you did something that was more whimsical. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. That 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 last video, video is a the 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 proof of, of what I just said. That yeah. you know, it's um you have to um yeah you you have to poke some fun at yourself as well. Uh, eventually, you know, it's um but at the same time, that kind of video it shows a. Uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say it. it's not serious, but you, you, it also, you know, the, the, I mean, I don't know. Can I talk about it now? Yeah, or? yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's about that song called Fears, and you know, I, I got myself into all this black metal, um, uh, corpse paint, yeah, makeup thing, and uh, and you know, there were some people that were saying, "Oh, you're making fun of black metal." I'm like, "No, I'm not making fun of that." Actually, um, as a matter of fact, I I, I like some of the aesthetics and, and some of the bands and all that stuff. So, um, but you know, the, the, the reason why I chose to go with, with full makeup on and, you know, basically portray a guy, a lonely heavy metal dude who, you know, gets up in the morning, brushes his teeth, whatever, eats breakfast, eats cereal. He's there with his pajamas and, uh, you know, pets his cat. But, you know, cause, um, cause often, metalheads are um you know we are we are considered the outsiders of society yeah. so to speak of you know we're just different than everybody else so um that's that's why i chose to to have that makeup on and uh you know, eventually that guy finds true love in this girl that he kept hostage before <laughs> in his dungeon and they form a band uh, which i don't know um kind of a crazy concept i guess that's the the, the quarantine effect <laughs> you know but there's layers even if they're unintentional there's layers that that video works on that's really cool you know the fact not only i think is it an homage to uh, black metal and to the fandom there and the you know the the trappings with the corpse paint and and whatnot by using that it's it it um you create sort of a typification like it's it's no longer just looking at Gus G doing it you can kind of see yourself in it and so this person who's going through this you know some isolation and some some loneliness um and all that means but having this sort of undercurrent of wanting to do something meaningful and achieving like but you know I, you can read deeper into it if you choose to it's also super fun it's also super Correct. fun Correct. But um, you can look at it at, at, on, on another levels, I found. So it's, I mean, kudos to you. I think um, it may have come out of a crazy um, <laughs> idea from, from COVID, but I actually think that uh, I'm glad you explored a different approach to the video you do. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was, it was this, these two parallels. You can look at it as a, as a funny thing, you know, <laughs> that I'm sitting there in course and in my bathrobe and, and i'm eating cereal <laughs> and yeah. you can look at it that way which is which is funny man it's just funny like uh, or you know you can look at that as as like you said you know um from a what's what's the words socio social political or sociological sociological yeah yeah approach so for sure yeah that's it's, yeah it's fun we'll we'll put a link to it um in the show notes so if people haven't seen it they can go watch it it's oh cool yeah yeah it's, yeah it's, it's really cool um so but before we continue on with the, the most recent stuff let's go um let's go back further in your career if it's okay so you talked about your time with arch enemy and some of the your takeaways there did that did that invitation come because you'd started to sort of build a reputation as a guitar player um how did they know about wow. you I want to think so. I mean, I had met Michael Amott at uh, at a studio in Sweden that I used to 
be there with with Frederick when we had Dream Evil because Frederick was also producing Arch Enemy or he was recording them at least he did a few albums of theirs and I've I've met Michael uh, there once and uh, but I guess at, at some point you know I was already starting to make a little bit of a reputation you know the yeah. my bands were already kind of having some uh, success in, in Japan and in certain countries and things were starting to pick up and yeah yeah I think yeah eventually you know how it is like when when there's a kind of like when there's a new kid in town you're kind of like oh who's that guy and who's who's that new band sounds cool and um and i think michael liked dream evil i think he did and he liked my playing and he just reached out to me one day and you you played on a track too on the doomsday machine yeah yeah it was right I, you know they were recording they were mixing the record and he was like dude you know want to do a solo since we're going to go on tour and stuff and it was already decided that we you know we have this spot for you to do a solo and it was on the opening track of the record and uh and it was it was great it's a it's a great record it's a great track and i'm i'm, I'm honored that you know that I, I got to play on it a little yeah. bit for for folks who are listening the track's called taking back my soul so you can go spin yes. that up and and hear gus do his thing on a on an arch enemy tune um so then let's let's talk about Ozzy. So um, you've you've I'm sure you've talked about this story more than once, uh, where you you got this invitation and you did the audition and you got a call back. A um, couple of questions I, I have for you on that is 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 the sort of creative process with Ozzy. You kind of they already have a, a song in mind and they just really want you to put your imprint on it. Um, how did how did that work for you with Ozzy? Well, originally I was we were just doing a couple of gigs just to feel things out, and then after the second show, he's like, you know, come over to my house and I'll play you some of the new stuff that I'm working on. And I was like, yeah, man, great. So I'm sitting there in Ozzy's fucking basement, you know, which is you know in his amazing studio in his basement, and he's playing me like new songs, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so. Um, kind of a dream come and he's true. like yeah yeah i was like wow I, I, can i just be a fly on the wall here but the thing is he's like you know what why don't you stay here for a few days and just put some solos to these things and uh because they had no solos it was like it was a songs that him and um kevin Churkle, the producer primarily yeah. wrote and and co-wrote with ozzy and kevin played a little bit of guitar but you know that it was missing that kind of stamp on that you hear on, on Aussie records you know the guitar basically you know the yeah the, the way the, the riffs should be played and the little fills and there was definitely no solos or melodies or anything on there so I stayed there for five or six days I, I did a, a bunch of solos and then I went back to Greece and and then I heard nothing for a while <laughs> and then uh, eventually uh, you know they reached out to me and they said hey sorry we just threw you in the deep like that and um terribly sorry about that would you come back and like redo everything and you know we want you to play on the record and i guess they were just testing it out you know yeah. just to see if they liked what i did and all that and and uh yeah next thing i know i was just there and like you know take all the time you want so i would go there in the mornings and record in, in his in his studio with kevin Churko. and um you know the songs were there to answer the question basically the songs were there you know i, I uh but yeah, the only thing I probably came up was just like an acoustic intro in one of the songs, I think Digging Me Down. Yeah. Um, and that's about it, really. And the rest, you know, um, but, you know, I added all the solo parts. Yeah, um, man. 
and you know I, I redid all the rhythms I kind of adapted it to um, to my own style yeah and try to make it as much as into something the way that I would play it even though I didn't write it yeah. which was a d- difficult task for me you know and also coming from a different world of being in my own band and all of a sudden like you know being hired to play on this record and um, and from from a major major artist you know so it was it was a, a lot of pressure of course but it was a, it was a wonderful experience at the same time yeah it, i should say for folks who who may be less aware it's um uh doing what gus just described in sort of walking this line between respecting what's there and trying to to play it in a way that um seems you know natural to to your style uh, to not even speak of the solos that you that you wrote and played that's a um that's an art and it's a meaningful it's a meaningful contribution to a record even if there's already a lot of the foundation there um so it's uh it, thanks i i and i don't say that just you know to to because you're on the show and we're having that i've i've known so many um musicians who get called into studio situations to to do that and it's the difference between an okay track and a great track when you get a musician that can do that um and i think it's an acknowledgement of your playing that they they both invited you immediately threw you in the deep end and then wanted you back um to say nothing of the fact that then you got to go and do tours and stuff which must yeah, have been just yeah. a crazy like dream fulfillment absolutely yeah yeah it was it was all all the stuff you can ever kind of you know think of or or whatever you've seen in the movies and thought it was like yeah. it was like that you know yeah. without the without the debauchery and all the wild moments because <laughs> all we did was drink tea on that tour <laughs> oh no you've yeah. shattered the myth <laughs> yeah man no no cocaine on that tour no nothing no no drugs no booze all tea just tea just tea and uh, warm-up exercises. <laughs> so I mean, the rock and roll on stage was real. That was, yeah. you know, that was a, that was a, the, you know, living the myth. You know, the stuff that you see on all the classic Aussie uh, videos and and live shows and stuff. That was the real deal. Yeah, it certainly, and it, um, as it should, and I think er, in a, in an earned way, it, it definitely helped raise your profile. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. You, you know, I'm. Um, yeah, there's an old saying that, you know, you're an overnight, overnight success that took 10, 20 years, you know, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's from you as the 10 year old with the acoustic guitar to, you know, forming your first bands to starting to build a reputation, you know, you went, then you start to get calls from bands that have a higher profile, like all that journey is all something that you earned um, and, you know, and, ha- and had developed the talent to, you know, get the call in the first place. So, um you know, Ozzy's Ozzy and he's a brand name and all of that, but he has wonderful talent that help him realize his dream. And you're part of that. Um, that's how I Thank look you. at it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, sure. You know, I played on a record that might not be his most classical or anything, you know, but um, it's, it's for me, I, I always, I'm still very proud that I got to, to be on that record and, and, and uh, you know, yeah, man, it's, it, it was a historical moment for me anyway. So it's, um, well, yeah, just to to put my stamp on it, even for that part that I was allowed to, it would it, it means a lot to me. Yeah. So. Well, and um, just a, a couple of sparklers. That record may not be have crazy train on it, but it um, 
the song "Let Me Hear You Scream" uh, hit number six on the American Rock Songs, uh, let, uh, number one on the U.S. mainstream rock tracks, hit number one. Yeah. Um, Life uh, won't wait reached number one on the media base rock charts in Canada. Um, it, it was featured in films. It was featured in television. No, no, it, it did well. It, it was not. It, it was not a flop record. It was. No, it was a successful it, record. Very yeah, successful yeah. record. So you yes, know, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so y- you're you are right. May, some people may not consider it a classic uh, Aussie record, but it, it remains among his most successful in terms of uh, chart positions and uh, media tie-in stuff. So, uh, correct, you're yeah. part of that, man. Um, okay, let's talk about Firewind. Uh, you know, th- this was a <clears throat> something I didn't know when I was kind of reading about you. That y- a huge, huge influence on you was Uli John Roth. Yeah, Did and that, and 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 I got the the band name from out of one of his albums. Yeah, I read that. Uh, and you you said some very kind things about him. Um, not not to su- suggest that they're not true, but that in your mind he's a he's the a catalyst for so many of the sort of eighty shredders. Um, used I, him I as think influence. so. I think so. Yeah, he has influenced so. Um, he's like the. Um, Kind of like the what I think what the, the Godfather of Shred. Uh, so many he has influenced so many guys. A lot of the guys that came out in the '80s, uh, you know, from the Mike Varney school, you know, yeah. Shrapnel Records, yeah. like a lot of those guys. I mean, you can hear uh, in, uh, uh, what do you call uh, Uli's uh, influence over them, and Engvi, of course, you know. Sure. Um, you know, but what uh, what Uli was doing, you know, it was like in early '70s with the Scorpions, and he was kind of like introducing all those exotic scales and and like big epic solos and uh, incorporating even some you know classical stuff in there. So, so I think, yeah, I think uh, Uli's is, uh, yeah, he's definitely one of the first guys. I mean, Ingvi perfected it, but I think Uli kind of, yeah, gave this. Uh, you know, kind of like start, started the engine, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. Um, and so and so, and so with Firewind, you, which was the, the band that you kind of wanted to found, you had other meaningful bands <clears throat> that you were part of, excuse me, founding and getting rolling, but you came back to Firewind. Um, and we'll talk about yeah. your, your solo work in a minute. But Firewind has been, it's, it, arguably where you spent your most creative time as a guitar player. Is that a fair statement? It is. Yeah. It's like, uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's, you can say it's my, it's my, um, it's like my kid, you know, so, (laughs) so, uh, you know, I've I've had that band since I was 18 or the vision of the band. And, um, and I mean, next year it's 20 years since we've been active in discography. So it's, pretty amazing that yeah and you know and, and it's a band that's been through a lot it's it hasn't been very easy for us actually um like you said we got sidetracked many times because i i, I either got called to do bigger gigs or, or and stuff that just couldn't turn down or um you know members leaving and we had definitely had a, a few of those and uh so it's been it hasn't always been great but uh but yeah, somehow we always keep coming back, and we, yeah. I, I, I still have a, I, I still have a, a desire to keep doing the band, you know, and um, it's kind of hard to explain, yeah. But it's, uh, I, I keep, uh, I keep going back to it. Well, you've got, um, and you can 
correct me here if I'm wrong, but you've got 10 studio albums and a live album. I think it's nine. Is it nine? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're probably thinking of uh, some live album as well. I mean, stu studio albums, right? Yeah. So you say, you say you've got nine studio albums. Yeah, I think so. Three, four, five. I'm, I better go back to school. <laughs> yeah, it's nine albums for sure. Or No, or is it 10? It's 10, Come dude. <laughs> Between Heaven and Hell, Burning Earth, Forged by Fire, Allegiance, The Premonition, Live Premonition, is that a no? No, that's a that's a live. That, okay, take that off. So you're right. So then, Days yeah. of Defiance, you against many immortals and Firewind. Yes, I shouldn't argue I with know. the artist about how many records he's made. <laughs> <laughs> how dumb of me! <laughs> you got me thinking there because I'm. I mean, it's a lot of albums. So it's I'm a lot. Thinking, yeah. well, may, maybe I've. I, I haven't counted right either. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, so stupid. Uh, but you got another. You've got a second live record, Apotheosis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you've got two live. But I, I don't count live albums. In, I mean, they are yeah, in yeah. part of the discography, but not as studio albums, so to speak. You know, it doesn't contain new music. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, with the most recent record, which came out last year, you described it um, in some places as kind of a reboot for the band, um, which had, uh, there's a couple of things that seem to be part of that. Um, there's, you know, the departure of a keyboard player. So keys aren't really as instrumental to the music, um, tons of variants. Um, was there a, was that a conscious thought? Hey, let's kind of go back to our roots and, and, or maybe roots is the wrong term or was, or did, you know, the nature of all the other changes just kind of bring you back to that place. It was, uh, actually a decision that I made after a lot of thinking because we, you know, I had already written the songs and we were touring until the end of 2019 and we had already, track the drums and then we went back on tour and during the last couple of tours you know the the i realized the band was kind of falling apart even though there was a new album in the making um and things weren't right so I came home from tour and uh, i you know it was one of those things where we had these discussions and a couple of the guys were not happy and i was not happy so i started thinking well maybe this is it, you know, maybe that's it. Because I, I was always thinking, well, I can't really start over again. It's been too many times and get another singer again and all that. So it was for a moment there, I thought about quitting, you know, just kind of like putting it to rest. And I already have a solo career. I'm like, oh, maybe I should just keep on doing solo records or whatever, or maybe start a new band. I don't know. But then, you know, I, I was thinking, well, you know, we already, I already, worked on these new songs and i really believed in them um and uh i thought it, it was a good record so i thought maybe let's let's do this record and see what happens and uh and then from going on from there it I kind of uh it kind of gave me the energy and the motivation to you know re how would i relaunch the band if i had a second chance yeah um because we have been we started out as a four piece but then we became a five piece on the third record and have been ever since and um i was like well it was my decision to kind of like have more keyboards in the band and then i was like well i got to a point where i didn't want as much keyboards anymore so maybe this is a chance to kind of eliminate that part of the sound not 100 percent, but you know just yeah. kind of like take it down and and go back to being a more guitar driven band like we used to be um 
So that's why I, I, I call this a reboot, a restart, kind of like, um, you know, if, if somebody would have given me a second chance to, to reintroduce the band, you know, how would it sound? What would it be? And that's what I feel this record represents. represents yeah. One of the things you did, um, it's a great record. Um, Thanks. And one of the things that I, you did on there is there's sort of a mini um, concept, a narrative thing you do um, with three tracks. I think it's Longing to Know You, Space Cowboy, and or, Orbital, Orbitual Sunrise. Orbitual Sunrise, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of funny because that's, that's a weird title because I was, this, you know, Herbie, the, the new singer, he wrote that. And I said, can you, is that a word? He said, yeah, yeah, it's a word. But, you know, I'm like, well, he's German. Maybe maybe he thinks it's a word, but it's not. <laughs> but you're American. Maybe you should know. I, I struggled with it because it, it, it's not one I use. <laughs> yeah. I know orbital. I know what that is. But yeah. I don't know. Orbitual? Well, maybe we made our own word there. I don't know. But it's um, <laughs> I, the reason I call attention to it is uh, I love music that's got any sort of narrative component to it. Um. Did you do any of the lyrics or all the lyrics on these songs? Uh, on, on these uh, three songs that you mentioned? Yeah, the, the this, cons- this no, concept. I didn't. Um, no, I think uh, Herbie did all of them. Um, maybe on Orbitual Sunrise, I co-wrote a little bit or I helped a little bit, but I think it's mainly um, Herbie's so, story, Herbie's idea. Yeah. My question is, um, how did I think that you did a really good job with this. And... Um, you know, I, I, I love concept albums. Anytime there's an effort to try and create a narrative link. How did you guys approach um, musically marrying the, the, this sci-fi concept um, and the lyrics and the music? It, it, was there anything you did to try and have those things synergize in some way? Actually, on th- this time around, no, because I already had the music without really knowing what the lyrics would be about. Okay. But, you know, we were discussing ideas with Herbie and I said well this is the stuff that I like and maybe this and this and that and he was telling me what he likes and um I threw out the idea well it's kind of late now to start making a concept album because the previous album Immortals that was a concept album yeah and the music fit the lyrics it was more epic character and definitely more more of a power metal record and it was about you know ancient greek battles you know 300 and stuff like that um but this time was kind of like i said well now it's kind of late just to to make a concept record but what what about and i I, i'm into sci-fi movies and i love you know stuff like blade runner and all that stuff yeah so like well maybe we should do something like that and then herbie i guess kind of took that away and he thought about it and came back with that story about this astronaut that goes on this you know uh, astro trip or whatever like to outer <laughs> space and uh and you know he looks at the there's one song where he's looking down at the earth and he sees all the bad things that are happening and kind of wondering and uh you know yeah and that's original sunrise and then the other one is you know he's waiting for his son new newborn son and he's not he's gonna meet him when he goes back to earth and um and then you know the song space cowboy is about just him feeling cool up there in space and in his, in his spaceship. And yeah, it's an, uh, um, it's a, it's, it's a viable approach. Um, if you've got a, a smart lyricist and a, and a good concept to be able to sort of take the music and fashion the story to it. It's um, I think, I think it can be more challenging, but I think that in some ways that makes this more impressive that 
you, you kind of went back to the it's, with a concept. It's definitely doable. You can do it. Yeah. I mean, even even though if the music is not written around that, you you, you can do it. And, yeah, uh, for sure. I'll tell you what we found out that you know when you have a concept in mind, it's it kind of unfolds itself. It's easier to write when you have a concept when you have rather than not having any concept. Um, for example, when I when I when we first did Immortals, the previous record, uh, I was like. And because that was a, a, um, a conscious decision, we're gonna make a concept album, the first one ever, you know. So, um, and I was like, oh my god, how are we gonna do this? But it was actually easier to do that than just get 10 great songs together that yeah. have no link between them whatsoever, and then somehow put them in a record and make have it make sense. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I, uh, um, I think if you have that up front, you know, and you know some of the narrative motion that'll suggest to you, you know, dynamics in songs and, and all kinds of things. I, I think the compliment I'm, I would pay you on this little suite here is that having already had the music, um, finding a story that, that you could superimpose on it and have it sort of, you know, make sense and sort of work with the music. That's very artful. So, um, no, you know, thank you. kudos for that. Uh, and I'll go spend more time with Immortals um, because I love concept records. So um, yeah, check that one out. That one is about you know the the famous uh, battles in in the Thermopolis and uh, the the Battle of Salamis. And uh, you know there's been cool movies made about that. Obviously, you know the movie Three Hundred. You know yeah. with King Leonidas and his brave Three Hundred Spartans. So we made you know we made songs about that, and um, it yeah. was a. Uh, I'm excited to do that. When I when I came to Greece, I I took some of those tours to go visit like the Oracle at Delphi and some of that those other. Really oh, cool! cool you did that. All right. Oh yeah, man. I went to one, I can't remember the name now, but I went to one of the amphitheaters, and they let us stand right at the center and just whisper. And the acoustics are so perfect, you could hear the whisper in the whole place. You're outside. Oh wow! Like the engineering is really amazing. Um, so I'm very fond of the the history there. So that's exciting. Wow. I'm gonna. I'm going to go spin that up this afternoon. <laughs> cool. That's, that's really, that's really cool. Um, let's, let's transition um, and talk about your solo work. Um, my first question here is uh, how do you think about the, you are such the sort of creative center for Firewind. How do you think about the difference with your solo music? Um, originally, the reason why I made a solo record was to just branch out of Firewind and um, just write with other people and do collaborations. And uh, that's what the first two solo records were, just collaborations with different people. And I was trying to do more kind of uh, commercial rock songs, you know, to kind of geared towards active rock yeah. uh, radio. And uh, we, you know, we didn't, you know, I didn't have any success with it, obviously, because I'm such a metalhead. <laughs> and there were too many solos over it but <laughs> but but it doesn't matter you know i got to write with different people different producers and songwriters and just this try is... to do something else after doing firing for so long you know and that first record i am the fire and for folks who haven't heard it um it's got folks like matt levens jeff scott soto michael Starr, um alexia rodriguez i mean like you, you, that's some killer lineup on that record yeah a lot of really good people on it man i'm 
I'm really grateful these people wanted to collaborate with me and do that. And the second record is kind of like a continuation of that, of the first yeah. one, uh, Brand New Revolution. It was actually a lot of the songs that were meant to be on the first one. The first one could have been a double album, but the label said, okay, let's stop here. We have enough songs. So, you know, a year later, we put out the second record. It was basically a lot of extra songs that didn't make it on the first album. And then I made some new ones. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I started making those, I, I, I was wondering, you know, if I could do any tours behind that. And once I started playing live shows as a solo artist, then the whole vibe changed in, in the sense that, well, I said, well, now I, I kind of need a solo band. Um, not necessarily, uh, you know, a standard band, you know, it could be different friends coming and going and helping me out for tours, but it's developing into this thing. It's its own thing. And, um, so then I made the, their third record, excuse me, which is called fearless. And, um, I went into a, a power trio kind of thing, mm. even though we didn't record as a power trio, but that was what we tried trying to um, convey to the live show so I started working with my co-producer um, Dennis Ward who plays bass and sings great and he co-writes his stuff with me so it was just me and Dennis and a drummer um, and um, you know that's how that's how we went out and started touring that happened from 2018 and on yeah so um, yeah yeah the um, by the way a happy sixth anniversary on brand new revolution was just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy. Time, <laughs> yeah. Time flies. But, um, the solo stuff is really, is really, really good. And that would bring us to, um, the forthcoming record, which doesn't have a name yet. Right. Or at least not a name that's public. Yeah. Yeah. No, no it's not public yet. And we haven't, we're probably gonna launch the pre-sales and make the announcement in the coming weeks within August, I would say, but, um, you know, then the new record is also something totally different. It's, uh, it's, an, it's my first full instrumental album. I've never done that before. I mean, I've had instrumental songs, yeah. you know, within the, the album track list here and there. But, you know, this is like the, uh, I guess this is like the, the, the Gus G solo album that everybody would sort of expect that it would be an instrumental record. Yeah. Well, I, I've obviously haven't heard the whole thing, but I've heard the first couple of tracks. And um, the first thing that strikes me is the diversity. Um, and I don't know if that'll be a theme, but like when I listen to Exosphere, um, that's got these really lush guitar, layered guitar parts. Um, it's got, to me, it's got some progressive shadings like a Satriani. Like it, um, it's just this gorgeous um, guitar track that's, not centrally like heavy metal the way you think about heavy metal. It's more in like that virtuoso guitar, you know, fusion shadings. Um, and I don't, I can't remember hearing you play a song like that. Yeah. I mean, the song Exosphere is very different from what I've done in that sense. It's not just a heavy metal track. I mean, Fierce, the second single is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> pedal, pedal to the metal. That's, that's the one, you know, so. Yeah. But, you know, the exosphere is different, you know, it's a more experimental, you know, maybe a bit more different rhythms, different kind of syncopations using a seven string guitar, yeah. uh, using, utilizing layers of guitars. Um, and, and I guess that's what makes instrumental music so interesting and beautiful. And you can add different layers of sounds and, and things and, and just 
create something different, you know, and let, let the guitar be the voice. I have to tell you, um, I think it's really cool. Not that this isn't something you could have done before, but it expresses a side of your guitar playing that I think it, we just don't see all the time. So I think it's really cool. This, and this, this track is amazing. Um, and, and it's easy Thanks. to see. You can go to, you can go to Gus's, I mean, it's on YouTube, but I found it on your website. Um, oh. um, and then of course there is that next song we've talked about fierce, which is, you know, black, black metal, uh, and just crunchy and awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it has this kind of thrashy moments in there and it's it does, just yeah. like, it's like hundred percent heavy metal song. You know, it's uh, it's something you would hear from like, you can put extreme vocals on it, uh, growling vocals, and it can be a great uh, death metal song or whatever, you know, yeah. and then you can, in, or you can, then you, you can put somebody who sings melodic and it can be almost like a firewind song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's definitely a hundred percent heavy metal track. That one, there's no, no left or right. There's just heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so the, the larger point then is, will, will we hear, on the balance of the album, will we hear more sort of, um, I guess, variants? Were you trying different yeah. kinds of approaches? Yeah, there's different stuff in there. Yeah, there's there's some more hard rock stuff, you know, drawing influences from, you know, guys like Satriani and stuff like that. There's a song that's a little bit more proggy. Then there's a song that I made that's like synth wave. Oh, yeah. You know, with, <laughs> with drum machines and synths, like, uh, you know, similar to, you know, Stranger Things, that kind of a thing. And then you hear, like, that's cool. My, my playing is still the same, you know, like I still play the same, the, the same style of guitar that I play, but just different vibes, you know. And then there's, like, you know, some straightforward metal tracks. There are some shredding stuff, you know, straight out of the 80s. And so it's, um, I, I, I like the record. I'm, I'm proud of it. So I'm, I mean, I made it last year. So by the time it re gets released, I, I will feel it's like an old record. <laughs> uh, well, does there, uh, is there a release date yet? Yeah, it's in October. It should be out in October. So that's okay. why I'm thinking we should probably, I think we're getting ready to, to uh, launch the pre-sales and make the announcement and stuff. Like all artwork, everything is ready. So we have everything done. It's a, um, you know, as, as we're talking, <clears throat> it's kind of a really cool statement about your, growth as a musician that you know and i like doing this with artists to kind of track forward we've seen you uh, all filtered through your experience and your own you know technique and how you play but there's there you have been in and out of various different kind of groups and styles um establishing your own and and you know now the most recent thing you've done has got you experimenting on all these different approaches and they're not I, I don't use the word experiment as a as a way of saying see if it's good it's like these songs arrive great um you you know you're yeah. not just figuring something out it's just that you're employing some techniques that um you know you're not as always heard um or associated with or have have made a, a signature out of and that's exciting to me and I, I try and share that enthusiasm with others that um we don't we don't pigeonhole the artists that we love to only wanting to hear the same thing all the time. Yeah, man, and I'm I'm with you on that. And I I, I feel the same thing whenever I, I go in the studio to make a record or whenever I write songs, I always like try to push the envelope a little bit. Like where what is it? What could I do this time? Even if it's just one small thing that I hadn't yeah. haven't done ever before. It doesn't have to be a life-changing thing and completely you know, change my playing style or anything, but what can I add to the palette of colors that I already have and yeah. stuff that I know? What can I add to this whole thing? 
that I've been doing for 20 years. You know, what, what will it make it exciting for, for, for me, first and foremost, and hopefully for the listeners yeah. that are going to go, hey, he, he hasn't done that before. He, uh, that's something cool. You know, he didn't just copy his previous records or something because um, that's, that's the most boring thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's this interesting duality or dichotomy that artists and who have success the way you have get presented with, which is you have so many fans who just would love to just hear you keep shredding for two hours. Um, but, but you as an artist need to feel some freshness in things you do, you know, at least sometimes. And um, so you want your fandom to appreciate you as an artist and all the ways you want to sort of express music. Uh, and there can, sometimes there's some tension there. Um, so I'm really yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I've loved everything that I've got. I knew, I knew Firewind and I knew some of the stuff you'd done. I got to know it so much better listening to it. And so I, I'm encouraging everybody to go deeper into your catalog because there's so many records that you've either done yourself uh, or that you've collaborated on um, all the way up to and including this new one, which I think is just, it's a really good next sort of message in or step in, you know, your own ev musical evolution. And I love it, man. I really love it. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for. I'm like, I, I wanted to go to the next step, basically, you know, instead of just doing one more record like the previous one. So I don't know what the next step after this will be, but I, I, it's like there's time enough for that. But, you know, for now, this is a this was a an important it was this was an important step for me to just go out there and um, kind of carry the whole record, like just with my guitar, so to speak, without yeah. having a voice behind it and then keep it interesting for 40 or 45 minutes. It's, um, I, I learned a lot from it. Believe me, I learned a lot from it, you know, cause, um, it was, it was a scary thing making a, a, a an instrumental guitar record, especially nowadays when everything has been played and done so many times yeah. and so many, you know, you have, the, you have the legends already, you know, your Sotrianis and Vise and Ingres, and then you have like so much new talent emerging to the scene and taking it to, new heights new levels so yeah. i'm like well what what can i bring to this but you know um, it was it was a good experience it was uh, i'm glad i did it yeah i'm glad you did it too and i've only just heard the two tracks so i'm eager to hear the rest as you will there be more singles ahead of the drop date oh yeah okay. yeah yeah there's another one coming uh in a couple of weeks from now i would say cool and uh yeah yeah it's it's an interesting album yeah man i think you'll dig it <laughs> i i i can't wait uh, I'm going to be there soon. and I'll be watching your website and stuff for announcements on the cool man on the singles. The last thing we should talk about a little bit is gear. So you've, you know, by virtue of um, your own sort of um, playing ability, you've, you've been endorsed a number of times. Um, there was ESP for a while. Currently though, on, in the guitar world, it's Jackson. Yeah. Yes. Jackson. Yes. Yeah, it's the last five years. Yeah. My, I guess my question there for folks who are I'm interested and I know others are interested is what's the what's the process whereby um, a, a guitar becomes a signature Gus G guitar? Is it is there certain sort of you you create a set of requirements, things that that you want the guitar to be able to do um, in order to make it to, to carry your name? Yeah, I mean, you're involved in the making of the guitar in the in the designing process like you know the specs yeah like you know i i, I get to, to choose what kind of wood i want on the guitar you know what what kind of wood should the neck be or the profile of the neck it should fit my style and my you know it has to feel comfortable for me first and foremost 
you know, the hardware, the pickups, like everything, you know, so I'm involved yeah. in all of those things. And, you know, we, we decide together with the team at Jackson and they make prototypes, they send it, they send them over and I spend some time with the guitars and then we go back and forth for a little bit until we get it right. And then, you know, once we are like, um, okay, that guitar is a go, then from there on, we go into production. Okay. And so, so currently you've got a signature guitar with Jackson, um, but that's not your only endorsement. Um, well, I have a couple of guitars with them. I have, yeah. the, you know, the star guitars. And okay. Then, yeah. So, so those weird kind of shapes that you see back yeah. there you can see them behind <laughs> you. that I've been playing forever. And then I have like, a, you know, a San Dimas guitar, which is this kind of strut looking like guitar. You see that red in the middle? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> So that's the, the latest model. And um, yeah, and I've, you know, I have other endorsements. And uh, I also started a, a, a pickup company last year. That's what I want to talk year. about. Yeah, tell us. That's uh, Blackfire? Blackfire, yeah, uh, in, in proper uh, firewind tradition. So, <laughs> <laughs> and everything has to be with fire. But uh, yeah, it's Blackfire because uh, it, you know, I got inspired from my... Uh, I, I had a, a, an amp with Blackstar a few years ago, and we called it the Blackfire model. Oh. Um, so I was like, okay, well, that's kind of already of a, a, a brand that we did and a, a name that we kind of put out there. So, you know, I asked the guys at Blackstar if they were cool with me to name my company like that. And they were like, yeah, sure. So tell us so, about these pickups. Um, well, it was a little bit of a thing that I started, I started out of necessity. You know, I used to be with Seymour Duncan and I had a signature pickup for about 10 years and I loved the pickup. But, you know, I, I wanted to do more things. I wanted to tweak the pickups. I wanted to come up with new versions. I wanted to do other pickups. And, you know, when you're kind of, especially with the pickups, when you're in a, in a deal like that, it's a little bit limiting. You know, they, I can't just go to, the, to a big company like that and ask them for a new pickup every year or every two yeah. years. With the guitars, it's different. You know, you can launch a model and then that has its, its own lifespan and then you can make some changes to it because there's new guitars coming out all the time. With the pickups, it's a bit different. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll just do it myself. So um, my good friend, Rob Chapman, put me in touch with a factory in, in Asia because he owns Chapman Guitars. And um, he put me in touch with his people. And, um, and uh, yeah, they, you know, they, they started making me prototypes. So I decided, you know what, I'll, I'll go into production. I'll choose the pickups that I like and I'll, I'll put them on my, on my own signature models. And uh, that's what we did. You know, the latest guitars have my own pickups on there. That's cool. And now we're finally launching them as a standalone product, so you can get the pickups, you know, separately from the guitars if you don't if you don't want or whatever, yeah. or you can't afford the guitars, you can um, you can get the pickups for whatever guitar you have. You can mount them on there. Where do you um, where do you find them? Is it on your website? If you want, yeah, them? yeah, you can find yeah blackfirepickups.com. Okay, we'll point people so there can, too. Yeah, yeah, because you know, and then we have, you know, you can find all the details there. You can buy directly from our website, and you know, if you buy directly from our website, I, you know, they, the, the 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 pickups, the the box comes personally signed nice. for me, and and you know, we, you can we have dealers in the U.S. and U.K., so you can also buy directly from shops, you know, if you're in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's a small it's a small venture, you know, it's a brand new venture. It's a pretty small small company right now, like really really small. It's a basically like a like a one man operation, you know, like I, I do it and, uh, and I have a couple of people helping me out and, um, and just, uh, 
like I said, man, just out of necessity, but I'm very happy with it. You know, hopefully it'll grow. And uh, if it doesn't, at least, you know, I, I get to do what I like. Oh, we so, lost your, we lost your video nah, feed. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very low battery, so it's going to die soon. <laughs> well, we're, we're almost done. Um, we'll point people to your, to your pickups. Um, that's really exciting. Uh, I, I hope it grows for you. I, I know other musicians who've started things. I talked to Casey Grillo not long ago. He started a drumhead company that Yes, he's done. It. He's been doing it for years. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of the other musicians, you know, like um, I mean, you know, Zach Wild started his own Wild Audio guitars a few years ago, and uh, yeah. Tosin Abasi, you know, from Animals as Leaders, he does his own guitar company. And um, who else? Ola Englund. He's a famous YouTuber. Yeah, he he owns Solar Guitar. So it's not a taboo anymore so much to have your own to be a musician and. Yeah. and have your own kind of company making your own things and um no i think it's so, a, um, i think it's really good i mean there's so many ways that the artist has done a disservice in participating in the money side of the industry that finding these new ways to be able to do good things in music and also to be able to create additional revenue streams i'm all for it 100 percent. yeah yeah and actually there's more control over as well like i i right now like i do exactly what I wanted to be doing, you know, with these pickups, it's yeah. a lot more work for me and a lot, you know, it's a, a lot of pressure, but you know, the, the, the reward is bigger because, you know, when, when somebody buys that pickup and they're like, dude, that tone on that thing is killer. That makes me happiest guy in the world, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So real quickly then there, I think I saw a, some touring coming up for firewind. It- yeah. Next year. Okay. Next year. Well, we're supposed to do a festival in Holland next month. I'm not sure if it's going to happen because, you know, COVID and it's, yeah. it's, there's festivals are pretty much canceled everywhere in Europe this year, but we are going to attempt to go out next spring on our 20th anniversary tour. We're going to start in Spain in March and then do rest of Europe in May. Um, so will you come to the States on that? Do you think? I, I'm not sure. That's the thing because right now, as of today, like, us doesn't let anybody in from europe and they don't oh. grant to, uh working visas so unless that those things are lifted those measures and um, yeah unless that changes I don't, I don't think the tour will reach the states but you never know man by end of t- 2022 it, i'm sure things will be different and regulations will be different so let's see i would love to bring this worldwide i hope so i i, I actually had a ticket to a show you were uh it was it was symphony x and you guys yeah yeah, uh, I had that fear and, ticket and COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I missed my chance to see you live. So I'm hoping that was it. That was a killer tour. I mean, that was, that was a killer lineup. We, I wish that thing had happened, but it just happened right when COVID yeah. hit. So yeah, bad timing. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that things kind of open up um, so that you could look at bringing Firewind to the States next year. That would be yeah. awesome. I would love to. Yeah. Um, musically then. Uh, I mean, you've, you've got a new record about to coming, come out. Have you already started thinking about a, a next record, whether it's solo or firewind or something yeah. else? To or <laughs> Not really, to be honest. There's <laughs> <laughs> just so much stuff, you know, uh, I'll probably do some reissues of the first couple of albums next year. Cause it's a debut album, 20th anniversary. And uh, yeah. since we have the rights for that, I will probably do like a vinyl edition and stuff like that. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, but uh, new record. I mean, I haven't really started writing for it. I have ideas, but not like properly writing. But uh, eventually, we will make another record for, with Firewind. Absolutely. 
So, uh, very last question. Uh, is there a, I call it a mountain you want to climb? It could be a creative endeavor that's non-musical, maybe it's a painter or something else, or it could be completely non-musical, like um, oh. becoming a carpenter. Like, is there something you want to do in your life when time permits? No, not really. No, not really. this is I'm, it. I'm pretty, I'm, yeah, content with what I'm doing. Yeah, so yeah. I know this is going to be my life till, you know, till the very end of my days. It's going to be music. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure about that. One way or another, maybe won't be touring anymore, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, creating music and uh, maybe getting into more into manufacturing the instruments and th things like that. I'm, I'm really into that. So, yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, you've been uh, very generous with your time. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Thank you, Peter. It was awesome Thank getting you. to know you better. Um, we're going to point people to your website, the Gus G website. Um, is there any, is that a, a best portal or is there some other things, other places that we should point them? No, I'm, I'm all over, you know, the, all the social media channels, you know, the same, you know, like if on Instagrams and, and Facebook and stuff, it's yeah. Gus G official and Twitter. And, you know, the, 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 the website is gusgofficial.com and for Firewind, it's firewind.gr. And it's pretty easy these days, you know, you just type in the name and, and it it'll, it'll come up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll include, we'll include a link to to both you, uh, you and Firewind, I think you can get to all the rest of it from there. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I'll I'll, uh, I'll put a couple of notes on things that I think people should check out since I've yeah. Time and they, they can find me also on YouTube. I, I do regular videos there on YouTube. So okay, good. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, uh, you have a good evening. Um, I'm gonna play the outro. If you'll stick on for one sec, so I can say my goodbyes, and then we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for watching.